Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge program. The Fatherhood Challenge is a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability of an environment and culture. We're going to encourage and challenge each other to step up and do courageous things that make our families and communities better places. So let's get to it. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. It's always good to have you with me. My guest is Brian Lowey. He's actually the pastor of Smoky Mountain Seventh-day Adventist Church and also the Newport Seventh-day Adventist Church. He's also working on his doctorate in ministry. He just defended his thesis, so literally all he has to do is March, and uh, that's it. Uh, it's it's done. It's a done deal. So, Brian, thank you so much for being with me. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks, Jonathan. Glad to be here, too. So we have a tradition that we like to do uh, as much as we can, which is to introduce a dad joke. So did you have a favorite dad joke that you wanted to share with with, uh, this audience? Sure. Yeah. What did baby corn say to mama corn? Where's the popcorn? (laughs) That's a good one. Well, I just thought, you know, we're talking about fathers and hey, where's popcorn? I know my kids love popcorn. So I thought it was, yeah. Mine do too. It's it's always a favorite, a favorite treat every time it comes out. <laughs> yeah. Let's go ahead and get into some really deep questions. Uh, we had a conversation uh, not too long ago. It easily could have gone a lot longer because it had to do with the topic of faith. I think that there is a lot in common with the subject of faith and the broad role of fatherhood. But for those that are just thinking about this and wondering, what exactly does faith have to do with fatherhood in the first place? One of the big things I'd say about fatherhood is that as fathers, we model our faith um, to our children. Our children watch us, whether we, whether we think we, they are or not, they are always watching us, observing us. And our children really look at us and about our faith and how we handle it. And often our their picture of God that they receive or they have is uh, in reflected in what we, what we share with them, how we interact with them, what God is like, and uh, through our actions. I know in the past, uh, as fathers, we felt, you know, the role was more of a, a distant and reserved. Uh, but now there's definitely an open and openingness to emotional or spiritual uh, well-being uh, for for the betterment of what spiritual and emotional well-being uh, parents fathers are have an opportunity to get more engaged in the life and spiritual walk of children how can they be more engaged well they can always ask they can always be involved in relationships everyday life with them um, they say that uh, going to church is a huge impact in the spiritual walk and relationship with children. In fact, a study was done that uh, fathers who regularly go to church, uh, regardless of what the mother does, between two-thirds and three-quarters of their children will attend church as adults. And so going to church, inviting your kids to be involved in ministries that you're involved in, so they can observe it or uh, going to Sabbath school or small groups. That's a good way that we can engage and bring our kids along in everyday 
uh, life of being a Christian. It really sounds to me like it comes more down to modeling and, and that's really what's going on. And, and that's how, that's how kids are learning this from, from their parents. Especially early on uh, when kids, are, there's not that analytical thinking or processing. And so early on, um, they're looking to their parents to model, but it might not just be their parents. It might be other individuals, other spiritual leaders. But as a father, you have a huge impact on the spiritual direction of your child for the good or for the negative. What does that look like when they're older? As they get older, it is more of a, they'll be asking a lot more questions. Um, they'll be engaged in what does um, this faith or this belief mean to me? Um, because as you're growing, you're developing, you're asking questions, and each generation asks different questions and is looking for answers that meet those questions. Because you're evaluating the things that was mo- that were modeled for me, uh, whether that's a good model or a negative model. There's evaluation. Does this, how does this fit my life? How does this impact my life? And there's going to be questions that you're left asking uh, because not all the questions are answered because as I said, different generations ask different questions. It seems to me that in this postmodern society, faith itself is being disconstructed. If that is the case, how and why is that happening? Yeah, there's 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 a lot of terms going around out there, specifically Christians deconstructing their faith. That's a very popular term right now. Uh, when we use the term, when we hear the term deconstructing, we've got to be careful with it because there's a history with it, right? And as you said, we're living in a postmodern uh, society and world, and where postmodernism views language as... Um, as something that doesn't really have any objective meaning or the meaning of it cannot be objectively known. Uh, and so we have to be careful when we're using kind of those words of deconstructionism in a in our society. But if we mean by deconstruction, we assume that, you know, we really want to go back. We want to examine our faith. We want to ask questions. Um, we want to um, better understand what was modeled for us whether that be good or bad, it's and that's important to do, to ask questions. That's part of that faith development journey is asking questions. Uh, it's a very important part of personalizing one's faith and moving from faith just being a, a tradition that we heard from our parents or something was modeled for, by our parent or a spiritual guardian. Because uh, I don't know about you, but I, I know a lot of people that were are young people myself included that were told, don't ask questions, just just believe, take our word for it. And that will leave someone who's searching a faith or asking questions about faith, that will leave them with basically just a really a tradition. And we really need to move past uh, traditions to a faith that we can hold on to. And, you know, honestly, as a father myself, um, I didn't get a lot of those tools uh, or didn't. And so sometimes it feels like you're having to to work through it yourself and trying to uh, figure it out on as you go. It feels like that with me a lot when it comes to my own household and working with my kids. It feels like I'm developing this new way of thinking on, on my own, because I have nothing else to go on. And the experience I grew up with was not exactly the healthiest for my kids learning to find their own faith. I guess what I, what I fear the most is 
erring on the side of being toxic about it. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're learning, we're growing, uh, as fathers, we want to do the best we can. And, and there's, there's just, there's a learning, there's a learning curve, uh, when it comes to it, because we haven't experienced it. We can reach down to other fathers. Uh, we can learn together. I think that's, um, that's important is the whole community. I think that was very different 30, 40, definitely 50 years ago. It felt like the only way you really got that. I mean, unless you lived around really close knit Christian communities, the only other place you really got that sense of community to understand faith on a spiritual level was church. And so we have technology on our side in this day and age to help us with that. Absolutely. I mean, things have really changed. Uh, and there's definitely a much more openness to men actually going deep and fathers talking about their own struggles that didn't exist, I would say, 20, 30, 40 years ago. I agree with that completely. It's no longer considered non-guy thing or a non-masculine thing to talk with your kids about your own personal faith and to be very, very real about it. And now we take it to a whole nother level when we talk about actually modeling it. So as, as by the way, that reminds me is modeling still relevant for your kids when they become teenagers or when they even go into young adulthood? I mean, the definitely modeling is continues to be important. It's just by that time, they start looking at more at like from an analytical perspective um, because they're going to see they're going to come in new experiences as they become teenagers and young adults. And there's still opportunities when modeling like other behaviors, like how do you handle a cell phone? I have a teenage boy and we're looking at, he's going into high school and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I've been holding off getting him a cell phone until now. But uh, the question is now is how do I model healthy usage of a cell phone, healthy use of technology? And so, yeah, there's definitely some opportunities that continue to model and encourage, uh, but there's an important part that has got to be there early on. And that's a, a close relationship, a relationship where they're able and feel comfortable asking you questions uh, to be able to engage in those further conversation and accept what you've modeled for them or go forward from there. There's an interesting tip that, and maybe this might help other fathers out there, uh, but there's a, a nice tip that I've explained more as a tradition that they can do with their own kids at bedtime. You can do it in the middle of the day, but bedtime is really a good time to do this where you're at the end of the day together with your kids and you ask them, what they liked about their day, what went well, uh, what did not go so well, what was frustrating for them and things that they would like to change. And maybe that's a good time to really bring up matters of faith with your kids and share your own experiences with them and how it either helped your faith or how it challenged your faith and what your plan is. Just be really open and transparent about with them and then maybe turn it back to them and ask them about the same situations in their day. Yeah, I, I do a lot of that conversation in the car after school. Um, I'll ask him, OK, what were your highs and your lows for the day? And so we enter, engage in that conversation and they'll they'll talk about situations with other kids and how same things went good or how things went not so good. And we'll be able to work through, you know, those different types of conversations. One of the things that I've challenged myself, and this is something that's been in, in my mind to continually challenge my kids, is how they start their day. And I actually learned this from another father that um, I had had a great conversation with on this program. It was a really helpful 
tip that I learned, which is when you start your day, start it by first in prayer, asking God to go several steps ahead of you in the day. And at the same time, ask him to walk beside you through the day. And the result of that is now you have to go live your day, but and go through with your plan, whatever you had planned for the day, go, go try and do it. But at the same time, you're now accomplishing things with an awareness of what you asked for at the start of your day. And it takes a faith to believe and just let go and trust that God is honoring that prayer. And then watch how your day transpires. This is something that's on my mind to try to challenge my own kids. Challenge them to let go. Yeah, it's 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 tough, though, as we're used to in our culture, just being the ones, oh, we have control. We have uh, uh, control of our situation. It's hard to let go in our modern uh, modern culture when we were raised to be independent and self-sufficient. But it's really important to to let go. And as they say, let God, I guess that's very important. Changing gears just a little bit. How does the story of Abraham and the theme of faith relate to fathers today? Well, what I love about uh, the story of Abraham uh, is he he loved his sons. He absolutely loved and adored his, his sons. And you could see that in his interactions and the way he talks about them in, in scripture. And it he demonstrated it in ways that that he could, they could understand. He he showed them his love for them, and I think as fathers, we really need to spend that time uh, showing our love for our kids and being intentional about it in ways that they understand and interpret love, like quality time with them or words of affirmation. You know, I remember hearing your father say, "You know, I'm proud of you." Uh, you know. Uh, hand on the shoulder saying, you know, this, this, I really appreciate you. I care about you. And that's, that's powerful. And I, I see that in, in Abraham's relationship with his sons. Uh, Abraham was also as he was very dedicated, very committed to God. And I think that that translated into his commitment to his family and his community and the people he was interacting with. And I know his, his children, his sons saw, saw that they saw the in, interactions and, um, and also, whenever they were, Abraham was commanded to take his son Isaac up to the, the mount, right? Uh, Isaac was given directions by his father, and we notice that Isaac does exactly what his father says. And and so that that speaks to a healthy structure, a healthy relationship where the son understands, hey, I'm, I'm going to follow my father's direction. But then I also love the fact that Isaac feels comfortable asking his father questions. When he doesn't understand, he asks Abraham, you know, there's something missing here, Dad. Um, what What's going to happen here? And Abraham answers his question, and I think it shows a, an element of closeness and trust that I think that as fathers today, we really need to have that kind of relationship going forward where we have a close bond with our kids. So they feel comfortable asking those questions or, or maybe thinking, well, did dad, did you miss something here? And we're, we're okay enough. We're, we have a strong enough sense of ourselves and also relationship with our kids where we can say, Hey, here's what's going on. Here's what's happening. And as a father, I know I struggle with this is that um, I was raised with, you know, telling, being told here, do this, do this, do that. Or, and I could do, tell my kids here, do this, do that. And versus teaching. And that's what I really want to do more of. I want to be able to teach my son or teach my daughter here. Here's what you do. And here's why you do it. 
and why it makes a big difference. But I need that loving relationship, that connection early on that really sets the foundation for that kind of um, connection and discussions. I hope you're enjoying the program and getting value out of it. It's a labor of love and faith supported by listeners like you. Please consider donating by visiting thefatherhoodchallenge.com and clicking in the upper right corner and clicking on donate. Another way you can support this program is by sharing it with anyone who would appreciate it. Thank you for listening. I think it's interesting that there was a lot of modeling, at least I could be wrong, but that's what I see is a lot of modeling going on because the, uh, because Isaac learned to trust Abraham through this loving relationship. At the same time, Abraham had learned to trust his heavenly father through this loving relationship throughout time. So there was this legacy and this experiential modeling and learning of relationships. And so Isaac had learned to trust his heavenly father because of his earthly father. At least that's what I see out of it. Absolutely. And a modeling of that loving relationship that Abraham had with his heavenly father. And that definitely opened up the door for Isaac to have a further close relationship with God uh, going forward. And this brings me to questions. In other words, you mentioned that Isaac learned to ask questions of his father, that it was okay to do that because of that loving relationship. Are there examples where Abraham did the same thing with God? Uh, he definitely was asking questions or wrestling with, you know, there's definitely been some commands where he had to wrestle. Lord, are you, are you sure? Is that the right way? I mean, and God never said, don't, you know, don't ask questions. Or he was always, here's the reason why and he worked with him and met him where he was at. I, I think that's really interesting. And God's character is seems to be what was on the line there. And it was fascinating because this was something we had, we had just studied and learned in church. And that was the fact that there were similar sacrificial rituals that went on with other cultures as far as their gods were concerned. Only people's lives were lost in that. It, it was the real deal. And so all of a sudden, God is saying, go sacrifice your son, which looks just like every other tradition out there that was happening at the exact same time in that society. It's almost as if there's this relevance happening during this time where Abraham could identify with that because, and identify, I mean, understand that, okay, this is going on here. Why would, why would God ask this of me? And it seems like in his mind, there's something, something has to be different because the God I know is a loving God. And so all of a sudden there's this reputation on the line that is being defended. And it makes me wonder if Isaac was asking the same questions, but in the back of their mind, there was something they knew was different about this God because of the relationship they had with him. I mean, am I a little far off with that? Or Well, I'm sure they were asking questions because it, it didn't seem very different it compared to uh, the society at that time definitely was doing the human sacrifices. 
Uh, but I think Abraham had a history with God and his interactions with God that he knew that sometimes God asked him to do things that seemed a little strange or different. I mean, we look back at the time when God told Abraham, I want you to leave your home of and go and uh, go to a place I'm not even telling you where it's at. You're going to leave everything behind. You're going to leave your security, your home, your family. And in our modern age, just moving somewhere else, oh, okay, we, we do that. It happens. We're a very transient society. Uh, but back then, they, they lived in one place for long periods of time and families and generations. But as you look at Hebrews chapter 11, the, the champions of faith, you find that God gives directions and sometimes uh, the things he asks you to do, it takes a step of faith into the unknown, uh, but it's that trust relationship that sees you through through the unknown. Sometimes to our own wisdom, it may not sound or make sense, uh, but to God, it, we, it does. It does, and he's got a purpose and a reason behind it. And as we, as we trust, um, we find what that purpose and reason is. We can even think about Moses and speaking to the rock versus striking the rock. And it seems like a small thing, and it's like, why? But as you start going back and you look at the imagery, there's some very profound imagery um, about that into the New Testament. There are two scriptures that come to mind that are favorites of mine and that I lean on for my own spiritual walk. And one is... Where God says, I change not. I I don't ever change, ever. And you think about that in the context of eternity, meaning he never had a beginning and never has an end, and he's never changed. And so I apply that to his character because scripture also says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm-hmm. That's an open invitation. And what I see with that, when I look at the story of Abraham and, and the sacrifice, is that very thing happening. In other words, it, what might seem to us as an extreme, it's as if God is saying, here, I'm going to go ahead and give you a sample. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's do this right now. No, that was, yeah, it definitely is a taste and see moment to, you know, take it to the next level. I, we were talking, I know, yesterday about uh, with some friends, and they were, t- we were talking about uh, the gifts of God and the blessings of God. And sometimes uh, we have to be careful that we don't fall in love with the gifts of God um, and to and miss out with the giver of those gifts. And we don't want the giver of those gifts. And I, I we thought, looked at our prayer life and our conversations with God and are they more about a relationship with God or is it about give me more of your gifts or why don't I have this gift? And when I think really God wants that relationship with us, that connection with us, that is so much more personal than just things. Absolutely. You just finished defending your uh, your doctorate. I would like to know a little bit more about what the specifics of it were. Um, it really focused on helping individuals uh, progress in their faith development um, using apologetics, which is answering and giving reason for your faith. Uh, I know the word apologetic sounds like, are you apologizing for something? No, it's it's just giving a reason for your faith. It's not about arguing. It's about giving reasons uh, for why you believe something. I mean, we give reasons why we um, like a specific restaurant in town. Why not give reasons for the faith? In fact, you know, it's exalted in, in Peter, the book of Peter, to always have a, uh, a reason for the faith that was in you, but always to do with kindness and respect. Um, but also to help people to understand 
what they believe and why they believe it and to uh, put together a practical process for examining uh, someone's beliefs or things that they have heard uh, and to address questions and doubts because I think it's so, so important it's so important to have those times where you're asking questions and having those discussions and going deeper. It's really, really important. Uh, so that's building a process for that. What is your challenge to fathers that are listening right now, especially when it comes to some of the work that you've done within your, your doctoral work? I would say we need to really start off with modeling what it's like to, to be a spiritual leader and, and model what faith looks like. Um, I know as, as fathers, it might be easy to outsource, right? Outsource uh, spiritual leadership to uh, to teachers or to uh, church or pastors. But the primary people they're looking at, uh, our young, our children are looking at day in and day out are, are us, are as parents. And so it's important that we as, uh, as fathers be engaged in our children's lives as much as possible. Be very, very proactive in that. And yeah, sure, we, you and I, we may not have had good models of faith, but as fathers, I want to challenge us to examine our own faith, read books, listen to podcasts, talk to other fathers, because it's important uh, to ask good questions, uh, to examine our own faith ourselves so we can actually help maybe our children when they start asking questions or our young adults or teenagers start asking questions. We can say, here's what I've learned to help uh, think um, critically or examine what I believe, and I hope it'll help you when you're really examining what you believe uh, to have a stronger faith, to have a better understanding that will last and uh, last last time, last the time, and be strong. Um, I know there's a lot of ideas out there floating around. I know early on in my life, I heard the statement: "There are there's no absolutes. You know, there's no absolute truth." You know, everyone has answers. It all works out. And, and I take that idea and I'm like, okay, well, think about that mo- for a moment. I mean, that itself is an absolute. Saying there is no truth is stating a truth itself. And so it's what it's called in apologetics is a self-defeating statement. And so I encourage and challenge fathers, don't just listen to information and say, oh, okay, okay. But stop for a moment, think it through, process it, uh, and learn the tools. I think it would be very valuable, but we need to be very intentional with all that we do. Brian, thank you so much for all of the wisdom that you have shared with us. It's really appreciated, and I'm grateful that you took your time to come on this program and talk with us. Thank you so much for all that you've shared. Thanks. Glad to be here. If you enjoyed the episode and receive value from it, there are three ways you can support the program. You can donate by visiting thefatherhoodchallenge.com and clicking in the upper right corner and clicking on donate. Thefatherhoodchallenge.com also has a store where you can find great gift ideas for others or yourself while helping to spread the word about this movement. Word of mouth and sharing through social media also helps make others aware of this program. Any way you're able to support the Fatherhood Challenge is appreciated. Thank you for listening.